The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah soft made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Well, hello, everyone. I want to tell you what just happened to me this evening. I... I recently posted on Instagram that I've kind of like gotten to the place where I give zero Fs about like what's happening in my life anymore. I'm in my 40s. Yeah, I'm in my 40s. And I hate admitting that, but it's true. And I really have to get used to it before I get into my 50s. So that's number one. But I found that in the past few years with all the stuff that I've gone through that I'm kind of like, I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think of me. I'm just done. And so I, this evening called to set up, my daughter loves to sing. She sings all day long. She's just like me. I used to sing my whole life and I quit because I got too afraid to sing in front of people. And I just got really a lot of anxiety about getting up in front of people and just the whole thing behind it. So I quit the business. I quit trying to pursue acting, which I've talked about before, and I quit singing. And recently I posted something on Instagram um, of me singing um, in honor of my best friend, Julie, that passed away. Um, and, it, and I sent it to her parents and I just posted it. And I was like, why, why am I posting this? Is this a call for, for attention? Yeah, probably it was a call for attention. But um, I, I just needed to, oh, shoot. Okay, you're back. Okay. I thought I lost my guest, but she's back. Um, I just needed to like have this happen to me tonight. It's such a cool story. So I call this place Coast Musical Conservatory in Manhattan Beach, California. Shout out Beth, the owner. 
And I was talking to her and I was like, I want to sign my daughter up for, for voice lessons, but I also need to sign myself up for voice lessons because I've been asked to sing in multiple weddings in the next like five to six months. And so I want my voice to be in the place that I want it to be in for me to sing. And she, the, the owner, Beth, is so cool. She said, um, I love your daughter's name. My daughter's name is Ella. It reminds me of why I like where I went to school and like why I did what I did because I love the performer Ella Fitzgerald. And I immediately went, oh, my God, like this is a sign. I almost started crying. She probably thought I was a total weirdo. And I go, well, I named my daughter Ella. Ella Fitz, like after Ella Fitzgerald, because my dad, who had passed away when I was a kid, loved the singer Ella Fitzgerald and he would play her in the car. So I've always loved her. So anyways, I felt like that was a weird sign that I'm supposed to be like singing. I'm not like trying out for American Idol. Don't worry, everyone. I'm just singing at people's weddings. But like, I'm supposed to be not like throwing in the towel, living my life. I'm still like somewhat cute. I'm still like somewhat fun. It's not too late. I want to bring in Chloe, my guest. Chloe, (laughs) I'm sorry for the long-winded story, but do you have any thoughts on what I just said? I love that. That's so exciting. Good for you. And people are asking you to sing. That's huge. Well, I mean, I'm being asked by like relatives and like one of my best friends from boarding school, but still it's a start. And maybe nothing. They don't maybe Simon Cowell is like, maybe I do have a chance. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) Um, But just to like, my point of the story is like, you're never too old. You're never like life's so short, life's so precious. Like, go after things. Like, I love to sing. So, Gosh darn it all. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing. I love to do it. I'm thankfully kind of good at it. I'm giving myself a shout out, but like, I just (laughs) want my listeners, Chloe, you're young, like everyone to know it's never too late to do something that you want to do in your life. And I felt like that was a little sign for my dad with that whole connection that was like, yeah, you're supposed to be doing this. So I am going to start the show. So hi, everyone. I like when I have advertising on the podcast, it's always because I it's a it's a product or it's something that I believe in. Um, I I talk a little bit too much about my buy me a Chardonnay button on my website, which is currently under construction. So hold off on the donations for now. Um, but I love this product. It's called Dose. It's a it's like a little shot. It's got turmeric in it and it supports your liver. And the reason I like it is because I really, in the new year, have focused, tried to focus on being more healthy. I do enjoy um, uh, my, well, who am I kidding? Not my occasional. I I do like, I do drink buttery Chardonnay often. And I feel like if I'm taking the shot, I, I feel like I'm doing my body like something good and counteracting those, the, the, whatever I'm doing to my liver. So if you are interested in subscribing to Dose or maybe just trying it out one time, I'm a subscriber. I love it. I take it every single day. Go to DoseDaily.com. You can use the code JudgingMegan15 
to get 15% off your first order. I'm telling you, they taste good. They're not like one of those barfy shots that you get from like the grocery store that tastes like poo. This one's really good. So run, don't walk to their website. Use my code JUDGINGMEGAN15 and I am going to start the show. Hi, everyone. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I am I'm beyond excited to um, introduce my guest. Her name is Chloe Cullen. She is actually a former student of my older sister and major idol, Peggy Judge Hamilton. That's right, Peggy. I'm using your full name. So <laughs> any stalkers out there, like, get ready for them, Peggy. Um, my sister is the most amazing person on the planet. I love her. She's like my bestie for the resty. Um, and I am just so excited to have Chloe on. She wrote a book, which is fitting for my beginning story called Perf, the outspoken flaws in a perfect culture. She's also a, well, she's obviously a writer. She, um, is an assistant for a major talent company, which I don't know if I'm supposed to share talent agency where she's an assistant for a scripted comedy or just scripted comedies. And she is a recovering perfectionist. And I already can tell I love her because I'm also still trying to recover, but kind of recovering perfectionist. <laughs> so welcome, Chloe. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. And also that introduction for your lovely sister. Who okay, so let's again. let's start, Chloe, by like, give me share, share what you think of my sister. Like, was she the was she a scary teacher? I've heard like, <laughs> I've <laughs> I've Absolutely heard mixed reviews. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I don't know anyone that did not like her class that took it. Um, uh, so Mrs. Hamilton, who that's like how she's wired in my brain. Um, I would feel probably weird calling her Peggy, even though we talk as I. Call, but now. Chloe, I call her Mrs. Hamilton too, so I understand. <laughs> joking, I don't. <laughs> But yeah, she's your she's, lovely sister, Mrs. Hamilton. She's um, she's funny, right? She's smart. Yeah. I did not get any. I did not get the smarts that she has, but she like that. adores you and adored your book, and it was so fitting for you to come on because I do talk a lot about the how like women need to age like and accept themselves and love themselves and you're still a youngster in my book if I'm allowed to call you that and I'm okay. so impressed by your age of being in your 20s and you've already written and published a book I feel bad about <laughs> myself <laughs> which is okay so this is maybe the funny thing or maybe the perfect segue but um I actually got into this book because I saw people who are a few years younger than me on LinkedIn sharing like, oh, like I published this book and I was so mad at myself. I was like, what am I doing wrong in my life that I can't do it, whatever. And then I ultimately just found the publisher and was like, oh, they will take a submission. So I submitted myself to them in that way. But I think that's like such the root of perfectionism, right? Is that it's... yeah like everyone else must be doing better because what the heck am I doing? And it, oh, it's just, you feel like you really need that spur, that angry, like, well, you could be so-and-so, or you could be this supermodel. You could be this like president of the United States. You could be 
all the above. You could be an author. You could be fill in the blank. You think you could yeah. be it all. Um, and because you're not, you think that you're motivating yourself if you're like, well, you're not, so get there. When really you're just paralyzing yourself because you're just being so mean. Like, how could you possibly get up if you're just beating yourself up so much? Well, um, I can't even imagine being, I mean, I'm a dinosaur, so I can't, we didn't have social media. And it, and by the way, if we do did have social media, I've mentioned this m- multiple times on the podcast, um, I would not have ever had a job. Like I'm one of those people that was like <laughs> dancing on bars and may or may have not done a wet t-shirt contest in Key West, Florida when I was in college. Please don't ever let that video come out, baby Jesus. But I I want to talk about like where you got to the place to actually write a book, what it's like be, being, I mean, I can't even imagine the pressures of being your age, social media, like talking about even people writing books and put it, publishing them on LinkedIn or whatever it is on mm-hmm. LinkedIn and sharing it. Social media, I've had multiple conversations on my podcast about how it's great and how it's also like horrendously awful because um, it's like this thing where you're like, oh, keeping up the Joneses and like my life is pi- is perfect in pictures. And I'm always like, I wish I had my Instagram or my Facebook life and it was that perfect because nobody does, you know? So mm-hmm. let's talk about where, like how you grew up and like kind of like where you got to where you are today, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. So um, I grew up in DC. I'm the oldest of six kids and my dad is the youngest of 11. So it's a big Irish Catholic brood. Um, So indeed. So we just, within my family and my extended family, I had an immediate community, which is um, like one of the most foundational things of my life in a very positive way. They have been nothing but supportive, I think, since day one, um, which I think they're even with like nothing but support um, and love and affection from my siblings, my parents, from all these different people, I felt like I had to earn that in a certain sense or that if I um, was not super nice or if I was not super smart, if I was not um funny if I was too loud at like a family function or like ruining someone else's punchline because there were a lot of punchlines like everyone is very very funny um luckily oh my god I love that I love that you have a funny family and by the way like also Irish Catholic I think most people from where we grew up are (laughs) there's a huge community yeah someone called it the Irish Catholic mafia to me one time even though it's like not tied to illicit crime or anything but it's just yeah. like it is that deep that it's oh god like, yeah like, which is how like my dad went to high school or went to the all boys connecting school to mrs hamilton your sister which is how i know her so she ended up being my teacher but she knew my dad from high school so that's just like it runs like multi-generational so did he go where did he deep. go prep or he went contact? to gonzaga yes oh, okay so gonzaga i mean i just Chloe, FYI, I also went to visitation, um, but I got I asked. Yes, I, I got asked politely to leave after my sophomore <laughs> year. <laughs> That's I was kind of bad and didn't get good grades, <laughs> and then I got shipped off to boarding school. So I was like, so I get the whole like DC 
um, yes, visitation Gonzaga. I personally dated mostly prep guys, but also still friends with like my friend Sean Dennison, um, who lives in LA, lives here right up the street from me. He went to Gonzaga. So I get I get the whole like connection. It's pretty funny. But yeah. I love that you grew up in in like trying to like be funny and having laughter in your household. I had that too. And it's pretty amazing. Yes. yes and it's so lovely. And and I think it is just like being in such a large group, you sort of for me, I think certain people might feel like, oh, I have to be really stand out. I think that for me, from a very early age, I was like, if I'm just like quiet, a little fly on the wall, then I can just hang out and people will just like let me hang. Yeah. Um, so like if I make one wrong move, then I'm like the really young kid that's sort of like the bummer at like this group conversation, you know? So I, I think that's like not to say it all started I'm sure it compounds and this book sort of goes into like we just live in a time right now where we all feel pressure either on a personal level or a cultural level to achieve but then um I just always maybe it's being the oldest daughter I'm sure that plays into it I think it's maybe growing up in this area of a very like middle class upper middle class College preparatory schools. Yeah, affluent area. Studying. Yes, exactly. People are very, very um, not excited. (laughs) Excited is the wrong word, but people are very, very focused on a certain goal, on a certain colleges, um, on behaving a certain way. Um, So I think that there's a lot of different pieces that compound. Um, I do. I do not write about my family as much as in a chapter, but I do write about visitation as a chapter, which is I interviewed Mrs. Hamilton about that because I just felt at visitation, I always like from my earliest math tests, I would be weeping about bad grades or like about approaching a problem incorrectly so much so that I couldn't even get around to doing the problem um, just because I was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it instead of being like, okay, let's trial and error this. I was like, I'm going to do it wrong. So I'm not even going to get started. So that probably is as early as third grade, something like that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to a high school that was a college preparatory school. It was very much. Um, I mean, visitation is one of the hardest schools. Yes. Like, I mean, it's one in, the, I would say, I'm, can I say country? Because I think it is. And I'm also I saying that so I make myself feel better about not doing well there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think today it's I mean who knows but if you're in it it truly felt like the hardest school in the world and I and it, it also probably so didn't help sorry to talk over you it doesn't no. help you that it's like I don't think people understand that growing up in DC is very where we all grew up it, it is very affluent it is very keeping up with the Joneses you know mm-hmm. we grew up with like politicians kids and you know, like that was very, it's very, um, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can under, I can relate and understand. I can't really relate to the grades part because I never cared about that side of it, <laughs> but just remembering what it was like being, you know, in high school and, being like, oh my God, like so-and-so's ranked th- this high in the, in the class. And mm-hmm. I was probably ranked like the last in the class, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure on a young 
teenager and young girl. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They have, um, they have an academic award ceremony, um, that the whole school is attending to. It's sort of the beginning of summer. It's everyone's turned their grades in and they sort of give out these end of year awards. There's a lot of awards that goes to the seniors, but they always announce like the top, the top GPA person of Mm -hmm. every grade. And it was, or like the top 10% maybe of every grade. It was something like that, but it was like the same people every year. So Mm -hmm. at a certain point I was like, God bless, but I'm just going to go and watch these same people get the awards and make me feel like, okay, because I'm not in the 10%, like I don't get an award. And I, I get that. It's like, those people worked hard. That doesn't mean that their work was without merit or they didn't deserve the award. But I just remember feeling, again, it's that like immediate negative self-talk where it's like, well, you didn't get this award because you don't work hard, which wasn't true. I was busting my tush. Like I was working as hard as possible, uh, like staying up at all hours and doing everything I could. So it's not like, oh, my work is not valid because I didn't get there, even though I would, that's all I would tell myself. So yeah, I think it was not even that I wasn't getting the award. It's that not getting the awards totally defined how I viewed myself so that was just like high school um and I went to I went to Penn State I loved going to Penn State it offered me some of the wildest opportunities and internships and classes and people that uh, have like formed my life in an entirely new way which is true for anyone in any um any of those formative years that 18 to 22 where you're figuring out adulthood for the first time and and Penn State's an amazing school by the way and Penn State is a great school but yeah I told myself that I was like well everyone else is going to people would just be that senior year just got hyper competitive and people would be like oh are you applying to Vanderbilt and I was like no like I don't want to go to Vanderbilt and they're like oh well here's like what my essay was or like, Oh, like what is, what's your essay for UVA? Cause there were these certain schools that had the certain echelon that everyone was applying to, not necessarily because they wanted to enroll or at least not everyone, but mostly because it was like Georgetown and BC and UVA uh, Vanderbilt are sort of these very, um, very reputable very strong academic schools that if you did get in it's a feather in your cap more than it is oh wow I am so looking forward to going to BC um so yeah I imagine that that stress stress. I I think shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples this time of year is the worst I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D designed for serious allergy sufferers Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like 
I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can remember because it is a very, and by the way, I loved visitation and shout out Sister Berkman. Um, Like, like it's a magical, most beautiful campus, but I can't imagine, like, I don't think that people think about like long-term pressures that are put on teenagers and how people like, whether it be like, for me, I was like, crazy about my appearance and I'm recovering like from an eating disorder and struggled with that. But I was like, you know, where I stressed my perfectionism was more like physical and, you know, trying to be become like sadly become famous one day. I didn't care about what school I went to. Hence, I went to Lynchburg College. Shout out Hornets. Um, You know, (laughs) it's it's but it I I can't like I'm so much older than you that it's like I the pressures were there when I was young in a different way but I cannot even imagine what it would be like to have those pressures today. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point there's so many other factors where it's like colleges are competitive because everyone's going to college, right? Like I yeah, not that I have like firm statistics off the top of my head, but now it's sort of a prerequisite to adulthood that everyone goes to college, right? So you have higher applicant pools, um, therefore it gets more competitive. Everyone feels they have to get to a good college. If you don't get to a good college, then does that mean your career is going to be bad? Um, which none of this is true, but it's easy at 18 to catastrophize and imagine that if you don't get into the perfect school, then your life is going off the rails, um, which is like... I just know, again, looking at my like super large supportive family of people who've done all different things with their lives, gone to all Mm -hmm. different schools, like it doesn't necessarily matter where you go, but what, what you do with it. Right. Like, which is true with everything. Um, It's so true, but you don't realize that when you're young and you don't realize it when you're 18 and you haven't done much yet. And also like the fact that not everybody has the opportunity to go to college, which is a totally separate Mm -hmm. thing. Um, we, we, you know, our country, that's a whole, I'll have, that's a totally different episode, but, um, (laughs) I just think that there is so much pressure. And then once you were in college, you had the additional layers of what, like being at like an 
very good school trying to tell me about that. What was college like for you? Yes. Um, I think one of the things that I loved about going to Penn State was that I felt like I had all the options in the world. Like I was used to a very small school that had a lot of opportunities and I was so excited to grab all of those opportunities at high school. And then all of a sudden I was in a mix of 40,000 undergraduate students and any club you could even think of someone else is already doing it. Right. So any interest that you had, you could run with, which I thought was super exciting. Um, and I just like filled my time up and I thought if I wasn't, um, like doing homework, wasn't running to a club meeting, wasn't becoming the president of a club. Like if I joined a club, I, it was only with the attempt to eventually like run that club or, uh, like get an elected position. Or if I was doing a major, I majored in broadcast journalism and English, mostly because I was like, broadcast means TV. I think I Love had like, very similar aspirations of like, oh, I want to be on TV. I want to be yeah. on late night TV. Like this is the end all be all. So I was like doing a capstone class where I learned so much in a student newsroom. But I think I enrolled in that class being like, oh, it's the capstone, I have to take it versus being like, I'm genuinely interested in how a student newsroom works. And that interest actually came after enrolling because um, it was a very, very much hands-on experience of like, here's how TV works and you can't, you have to keep moving and you can't really make a mistake, you know, like we yeah. had very short deadlines and things had to be made if you didn't it's make it. It's not as glamorous as people think it is. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's for student newsroom. Like, I, how many people were watching? We put it out weekly. It wasn't even a nightly news situation. But um, I think sometimes it's like, oh, it was very easy to be like, oh, well, I just take the top level because it's the top level. So sometimes it was almost like, go, 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 go. Um, when I was in grad school, there were a lot of um, it was a very small graduating class of like eight people. And there were a few writing specific awards, like writing merit awards or teaching awards. And every time I didn't get one of those awards, I was like down, down for a week, sort of inconsolable, a little bit weepy in seminars, like holding grudges against teachers, like like refusing to speak in class as if I was holding my own boycott like it's just like surreal sort of things in retrospect um strictly because it was I like think it, I think oh it's I'm so not glad that you put this pressure I mean yes. I, do, I can understand it from a different perspective but I do, I can't imagine like where this all came from like we all come out a certain way right like one of my kids is complete tomboy loves she will only horseback ride loves horses my other one is just like me she wants to become a princess at disney and sings all day long and like that's all she does you know stares at herself in the mirror and like loves to get outfits and dress up but they both came out exactly like this and i find it interesting how if you're one of six kids like you might have like brothers and sisters that are not nothing like you or are they? They are. I would say six. there's one. There's one that's 
that's okay. sort of similar to me. But I think if you had us together in a room, very different. And I, yeah, I was always the oldest. So I was always the one, my core brother, Colin, who's like second. So he was right below me. And he, he was like a kid. We would be like five years old. He'd be like five, I'd be seven. And I would be like, Colin, stop, Colin, stop, Colin, stop. And one of my, <laughs> one of my friend's moms was like, if I had a nickel for every time you said Colin, stop, like, we would be riding in a limo right now. Yeah. Not. <laughs> it's just like, so I was always hyper surveilling, not only myself as the oldest, but like my siblings, definitely. Um, and, and just I'm having, sure having that pressure to like be so hard on yourself to like win awards, be number one. Mm-hmm. So you went to graduate school. You're obviously not very bright. I'm so sad about your like, <laughs> story and I feel really bad about myself. Um, <laughs> like how did this, cause you're still, what, what, like, can I tell, ask your yeah. age or is that super 26. rude? No, yeah, totally. Rude. I'm, I have like 26. letters that are 26, by the way. I think I have a draft <laughs> that's 26. Um, how, like what made you then kind of like get to a breaking point where you were like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to write a book. How did that come about? <laughs> the pandemic. Uh, oh, yeah. The pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, so I was out of grad school in 2019, September 2019. I started at a small talent agency just as an assistant. And essentially, I was just sending out emails for appointments. Um, for people to go on auditions and I had no experience really with actors what, so what I, can I ask you not to yes, interrupt yeah. you but how no, did you it. shift from like the world that you were in into talent I'm I'm confused so I need confused. to know yes so I said one of the things I did at Penn State that was really valuable is I did a Penn State Hollywood program so there I got like Hollywood experience enough so that people were like oh she knows how to do administrative base level tasks um yeah so that was like again one of those things that if I didn't go to Penn State I would not have ended up in that program probably I would not have had that experience that led to all these things but yes so that was and again I didn't really have talent experience but um the department was super sweet and they sort of took a gamble on me and um I I was sending out appointments and the pandemic came and obviously there weren't a lot of auditions there weren't a lot of yeah. things going I'm married to an actor I understand yeah <laughs> you say you're in LA you get it um, yeah it's just, yeah it was like all of a sudden the world dried up and I was on an indefinite furlough and of course as a perfectionist does and I think as anyone and this is where it's sort of like what comes first the chicken or the egg right now because I feel maybe because social media, we all live in it, or maybe just like this idea that everything is scarce and we have to work for everything and nothing's ever enough. So we have to put in hours every single day and work 24 seven in order to make ends meet, um, whatever those ends might be. But when I was furloughed as in totally unemployed, I was like, okay, I'm going to wake up at seven o'clock and I'm going to do this and I'll do this for an hour and I'll, I'll apply for jobs by 9am and da, 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 da. And I was living with my grandma. So I was like, and I'll take care of her and I'll do all of these things. And it's like, in retrospect, I'm like, wow, I wish I had just calmed down and really like enjoyed being there, like with my grandmother and just like doing the crossword. I think there were points where I was, but there were other times where I was like, I should be doing something 
productive. So all of this, like in this unemployment phase, I was getting super antsy, super itchy. I saw these people on LinkedIn who were writing books that didn't help. That were how old? Like Like 18? Like, tell me. I guess so. I think it was like 18 or 20. They were still in college. So I was like, that's insane. It is truly insane. Uh, Yes, I it is truly insane. It also <laughs> sounds to me, and it. I hate to analyze you, but I'm yeah. I I do this often, so you can tell me to like shut up. Um, but it sounds like your entire life you've been like go go go, and you've never <laughs> yeah. like. And the pandemic was like kind of your chance to like take a break, and <laughs> you know, like I mean, I know for me, I sat on the sofa and like finished Netflix in like probably the first like like everyone else and drank way too early in the day. Like everybody did in the beginning of COVID. But I was like, oh, this is really nice in the beginning. Right. And then it turns into, but for somebody (laughs) like you, who's always like, go, go, go. I could see why that would be like, what? Like, this isn't normal. Not to mention like your age, you're kind of robbed, you know, Mm -hmm. like, right. Like those years where you're like, no, there is. I mean, that is something I think about sometimes where I'm like, oh, I moved to New York to be running around and meeting new people. And then you had these two years where it was like, stay in your room and don't go anywhere. And luckily, I got to go to my parents' house in DC, I think. Um, so like, as far as real, real deal quarantines go, I was very lucky to be like around my family, socializing. There's a backyard. So I got fresh air without and like I was contaminating somebody yeah um, so like my quarantine was again like it should have been breezy it should have been chill but it was like ironically I saw like a cartoon and I think about it all the time that I think it was maybe like a New York cartoon where I was like this man and he's on this little rowboat in the middle of like a tsunami level rainstorm in the middle of the ocean like he's not going to make it out and the caption is like now's the perfect time to work on my novel and it felt like that right like it felt like in this pandemic when everyone had gone sort of offline it was like well now you can bring something else online like you can have time to learn how to make sourdough or you can work on your novel or you can yeah like learn how to tie-dye like do something with this time you know so even if you were sitting on the couch it was a little bit like but like what if I never get this free time again and what if I'm wasting it um so that actually like it tore me away mentally from because I would be sitting don't get me wrong I would be sitting on the couch I'd be doing jigsaw puzzles I would be watching movie after movie with my family but instead of being like wow this is so nice that we're all happy and healthy and together I'd be like wow I really should write are you gonna write today are you gonna do something and like it's not even that I had something in mind to write it was just almost more like and it created so much anxiety just being in that middle place and I think it wasn't maybe until the pandemic that I realized how much I lived in that spot of like like get to it you know what I mean it's like well whatever you're doing right now isn't enough and you could be doing this alternative thing and living in that middle spot where you can't except like where you are physically right then and there it just like caused me so much anxiety and it wasn't until like I again like saw these people on LinkedIn I found the publisher I reached out and they were like if you're interested in writing a book let us know and I was like 
okay so I told my family I was like I think I'm writing a book and they were like what are you serious like what does that mean like that's incredible right like this is a really good thing and I was like yeah yeah like but it's like not like I don't know like we'll see like it's not it wouldn't be that great if I did it you know and immediately was like down on myself and my family was like what what the heck so it ended up that was like the breaking point where people were like you are such a perfectionist that like you can't celebrate these accomplishments and I immediately went to spiral and to figure something else out that I could fix about myself because I just couldn't wallow in like staying still for a second and appreciating like wow you're gonna take a step towards doing this thing that you never would have imagined you could do you never thought you could write a book at this age or that you would ever write a book um and then did you you know what the book was going to be about Chloe I had all of these ideas again from just like ruminating just like it's very funny because (laughs) the the original ideas um are all there in the book um like all these things I wanted to write essays about are topics that came through in the book um it's just that my original stance towards all of them was very very different like ironically I was spending so much time in the pandemic watching people make like sketches on their what's it called like making sketch comedy or putting out EPs or doing anything and posting it on Instagram and I just remember distinctly being like why does everyone think that they can do something special like such a curmudgeonly idea again a very scarce idea where it's like there's only one spot for someone to get big and why does everyone think that they (laughs) can get big and like how dare they and it's not even that good what they're doing. And it's just like such an angry, angry way to live. So I think that was actually like the premise of the book going into it was like, I want to dissect why people my age think that they're so special. Again, like, like I could not be more of like a curmudgeonly old, old, like, oh, like kids get off my lawn with that sort of attitude. No, I like but that too. But I've been, I, it's I, so I yeah, that's, my, that's my age. But just so you know, I was embarrassingly enough. My sister will tell you, um, I was doing the Tiger King. Like I was doing, I was spiraling out of control and doing imitations of Carol Baskin, um, from the Tiger King. Yeah. But it's not amazing. Like I, I also was (laughs) in a very dark place, but I, I'm like, I need, must have right. attention at all times, must be on social media. Like, <laughs> that's why when the, when TikTok came around, like I do have a TikTok account, but I'm like, I don't want to be like doing TikToks where I'm like pointing at words and like, like, I don't understand. I don't, I, that's not a rabbit hole I care to go down. Cause I know mm-hmm. I, that would be bad for me, but I do agree with you. It's like everybody you know, I don't think that's curmudgeonly. I think it's like really that everybody in this culture like needs to be like a star or something. And I think it came Mm -hmm. from the very beginnings of COVID when the Italians were playing music on their balconies. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was like the Imagine it was like everybody was like singing singing. oh yeah like all the celebrities in black and white singing imagine it was like you know it's all very um but I get what you're saying but I just I I think that I love hearing that because it is true people don't think of it from that perspective our society and our culture is so obsessed with like must 
have a TikTok account, must do this, mm-hmm. must be. So I, I think that's really interesting, yeah. that perspective. I think it's funny too. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just so, I think it wasn't until researching it that yeah. I came around to the other side of like, why I think that there's underlying, it's like a scarcity principle at its finest, right? Where you think, yeah, like it really, a stranger on the other side of the country makes a TikTok or also talks about perfectionism and that shouldn't take away from my my perspective on it or what I'm doing with it right um but it in my head it's so easy to be like oh well we can't both share the spotlight so that person yeah. has to get out or yeah. I have to be doing more to beat out that person in such like a um in this culture where everyone has an opinion about everything so you can find like there's probably six other people who are saying this in some different way than I am, right? Some different lens is either to perfectionism or social media culture. But uh-huh. the I think it just is like there's no there's no limit. And it's really hard to accept that. Or the other thing that I had to come to realize is like hmm, this is gonna sound hard. And it's going to sound like a bummer. I think like the me from before I, or when I started writing this book would be really mad at me if I heard this like two years later, Chloe say this, but it's like, you sort of have to let go of a very, very rigid dream. Do you know I, and I think to sort of back that up, I I always adapted what I wanted to do, but whenever I had a mindset, like in college, I thought I wanted to do late night TV. Then I went to LA and I thought, oh, I want to do TV development. And then um, because I wanted to do TV development, I was like, oh, I'm working in talent. Therefore, like this first job is not going to yield any results for me because it's in the totally wrong thing and I'm going to end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's, I think like if I just had let go and been like, just enjoy this job. Like it's your first job in a new city. Like there's a lot of cool things about that. You're getting paid. Like people around you are nice. People around you are supportive, you know, but it was just like this very rigid, rigid expectation of what my future should be. Yeah. It made me totally disintegrate what I actually had. Um, So I think it's, it's been a lot of like mindfulness practices, a lot of DBT, like going through that in therapy you know like figuring out like okay how do you actually just take things actually day by day instead of thinking every decision I'm going to make is going to have a ramification five years 10 years 15 years down the line that's going to impact me negatively um I love I love too that you um are in you talk about therapy and that you're in I mean I'm a huge advocate of therapy and I talk about mm-hmm. it all the time um, that the pressures that you had on yourself and what that was like. And, you know, I I can remember, by the way, being I know this is hard to believe everyone. I can remember being like in my early 20s and the pressure that I was putting on myself to become, you know, I moved to L.A., I wanted to be an actress. I was worried mm-hmm. so much about time. I was like, oh, my God, I'm already. Mm-hmm. I'm already 23. I'm already 24. Yeah. Like I'm not, I haven't been discovered yet. And it's like, 
that pressure of being like a young 20 something is that's a real thing. It's a real thing. And I think people need to own it. And I, and I think the, our culture and like things have changed so much within the past 20 years that it's got to be even harder when you're telling me like 18 year olds are (laughs) writing, publishing books at, you know, 18. Right. (laughs) Right. Like that didn't right. happen when I was young, you know? So, <laughs> right. um, so I love the fact that you're an advocate of therapy and, you know, like talking yourself down and then doing this book really to help other people, I'm assuming, right? I think, yes, I think it definitely came from, it came from an origin of me being like, I want to do this sort of to build a portfolio so that way people will consider me legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was like that sort of like selfish intention or just this idea that I was like, oh, I would probably love to write for, but it's just like I was in TV. So I was like, like, what do I do? Again, it was very like career focused, um, but it ended up being because of all the research, because of all the new psychology that is specifically about perfectionism and how it leaves people vulnerable to anxiety and depression and eating disorders and potentially OCD in certain cases, like I just seeing that in real numbers, it became very cathartic to me. So instead of like having this, like I went into it with this idea of, oh, I'm going to unpack why everyone thinks they're so special. and I just had to like flip the lens on myself and be like, why is that a bad thing? Like, why is it like, what, what is so wrong with that? So I like talk about it in all these different lenses of things that I'm like sort of obsessed with, like reality cooking shows, like Gordon Ramsay's a trafter. Um, Martha Stewart, I'm not even really obsessed with, but she definitely gets a chapter. She's like, she's the A plus of perfectionist. She yeah. really is yeah. like, next level and like I talk about Hamilton the musical and it's just all of these things that we don't realize are like sort of just in the air of like the American dream and just like work hard enough and you'll get what you want and like oh it's very easy to be salty towards someone else even when they're doing really well like it just like there's something really delightful that was my Gordon Ramsay chapter is that there's something really delightful about watching people do terribly on a reality cooking show and watching him eviscerate somebody (laughs) or undercooking a fish like I there's something very satisfying there's a reason he's like as big as he is with 30 plus tv shows and I love by the way sorry to interrupt you but how transparent you are about qualities that every (laughs) single person on the planet has but I love that you are open and honest about it because not everybody could ever be like, oh, no, I'm totally happy for you that you got that. You know, people don't admit those things. Yeah. But meanwhile, you're like, oh, my God, like, I can't stand her. Why did she get that before me? Or, yeah. you know, There's it's, just, a, it's a human it's, it's a human condition. It's it's I think like well, happens a lot in american society especially um Mm -hmm. and then we have you know having all the pressures that you've put on yourself but then kind of turning this around i also love reality tv by the way big fan (laughs) um but i i don't watch cooking shows i watch real housewives and i hate to admit that Mm -hmm. i sound really stupid and i'm really embarrassed no you do not you're (laughs) 
so harsh um, on yourself. That's the thing. Is like, I know, right? There's I no know. wrong I needed, answer. I needed there's you no to come answer. on. We're not in competition. <laughs> I needed you to come on here. to tell me that. Can you can you tell me like kind of where you are today and like like the book came out in August, right? So mm-hmm. yes. what's so been going been on out. with what? So it's been out, which is insane. But I think this is maybe maybe anticlimactic or maybe it's exactly what the book requires. But yeah. um I think I'll like take a quick tangent to be like when you talked in the beginning about the idea that like you had this moment where you felt like I am called to sing. Like I'm seeing this sign right now. I'm feeling that like it's connecting me to my dad and just like this core foundational thing. Like I love to sing and that's really beautiful. Like loving to sing for the sake of singing is incredible. Right. Like, and I think we're so used to being like, Oh, and like I love to sing, but unless I'm doing like, duets on TikTok and unless I break yeah. through and I go viral or I go on X Factor or whatever, then that singing's not worth anything. But I think it's like singing in the shower is worth something if you love to sing, right? Like and singing at someone else's wedding is like that's like an incredible accomplishment in itself. Like people do not have to ask. In fact, like people are picky about weddings. They do if they did not want you to sing, they would not ask you to sing if they did not think you were up for it. So all that to say is like now I think like this book came out and I was sort of like, what now? What's the deal? What am I doing? Um, and the natural perfectionist instinct is like, how do we scale this? How do I get on as many podcasts as possible? How do I get as many people in the industry to review it and write about it? How do I get as much positive press about it as possible? How do I... Um, promote it 24 seven, right? Like how do I get it to a bestseller in the real life world? And that's like in this like one person team that is me promoting this book. Mm -hmm. Again, it's like letting go a little bit of like that rigid dream. That's not to say like, oh, like it would have been great for it to become a bestseller. But if it doesn't, that doesn't mean that the book stinks. It doesn't mean that the book or, it, or it doesn't anything. mean that it doesn't mean that there's not you know there's not another book out there for you it doesn't mean like exactly. life happens life happens mm-hmm. and i've learned this and it took me a lot of really crappy things to happen to me a few years ago for me to realize and be able to look in the mirror especially in the past i would say year where i now am like eight what stinks is like i'm aging And I'm, you know, we're all super, I'm super vain, super hard on myself, but I actually can tell you, I like myself. I like like my insides, which Mm -hmm. I never did my entire life. I never liked me. And people would say something like, oh, you're this, you're that. And I would be like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. And, and I've learned, and I love what you're saying is, you know, to, for you to be taught this lesson and understand this lesson in your 20s, people would kill for these lessons to understand that this isn't the end. You know, like mm-hmm. your work, your this is the job that you're doing now. And then you wrote a book, and this book could potentially become a bestseller. It could potentially be the, it's going to turn into something else because I'm a huge believer, and you might be annoyed by this, is in everything happening for a reason. It's all like, a series of tests in life. And 
I think that what you're doing and is amazing to be able to come out of the gate this way in your in your young years and know all of this stuff. Whereas most people, I would say 90% of the people I know would did not do not know that in their twenties were too busy, like doing keg stands, you know, and like all the things. <laughs> well, we all just had too much that, time to think, you know what I mean? Like you can't really do yeah. a keg stand when you're on quarantine for two years, you know, it just, the, the opportunities are diminished. I was although doing, I was doing wine stands alone by myself. <laughs> 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 yeah. You like, I mean, just so you know, too, Chloe, I started my podcast during quarantine. So exactly. I think yeah. I think a lot of people like try to find outlets or things to do and then like art, like being a writer and doing the things like that's such a gift that you've been given mm-hmm. and you're so smart, like kind of make me sick, to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm having, and this is OK. So this is like the thing is that I know and like maybe this sounds snooty whatever we're gonna just go with it but like if I was listening to a if I was listening to a podcast and it was another 26 year old who was like yeah I just like wrote this book and now I feel like really good about myself and like life is peachy keen I would be like I hate that person do you know what I mean I'd be like no it's true it's true it's It's like I hear other podcasters same kind of avenue and they're like I mean I really try to be real and transparent with people that like yeah I was struggling I went through all these things and life's good but it doesn't mean it's going to be good every day and there's no such thing and we all struggle as people and what you're doing like to help others is I think incredible and and we need we need more youngsters because I'm (laughs) calling you a youngster we need more people that realize that the world is not just about TikTok and right you know being on American Idol and, you know, whatever it is, there's so many more important things, especially in this day and age, where if we can actually self-reflect and and have the gift that you have at your age to be able to self-reflect and be like, oh, I'm kind of being an ass right now. Like, I don't <laughs> like that. I mean, that's like a, that's a real genuine like gift that you're able to be honest about that. Whereas most people would never admit that. So it's amazing. I can't, I can't cool. wait to read the book. I I talk sometimes about, and I told Chloe this before the show. Um, I have read uh, books. I interview authors all the time, and I usually read a little bit of their books, or I read it after I interview them because the times that, like, I had Elisa Donovan on from Clueless. I love Elisa. She's amazing, and her mm-hmm. book is amazing. Um, Wake Me Before You Go, which it's such a good book. And when I was interviewing her, I found, and I did, I did this in the beginning when I would interview authors, I would read the book and I would quote the whole book. So by the end of the episode, they would be like, not able to speak because I told the entire (laughs) book. So I found now that I try to like have the organic conversations with you. So then people have an idea and I'm not giving the whole book away and then they can go find your book on dot, 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 Amazon. Where else? Yes. Yes. You can find it on Amazon. It's on bookshop. If you want to support local bookstores and Barnes and Noble as well. Um, But those are the biggest hits. Can you, can you you tell the title again for my audience? Yes. It is Perf, the unspoken flaws of a perfect culture. 
Okay. By the way, I said outspoken in the beginning. Sorry. I can't even read my own writing. I didn't even. Uh, okay. Perfect. Unspoken up. flaws yeah. in a perfect culture. And what, and what's like, are you happy doing like being, I know you're, I, I, I'm not going to tell what agency you're with, but I know that's <laughs> got to be, uh, cause I have friends that did that when I was yes. young it, living in LA. Yeah. That's hard, a hard core job. <laughs> I like it. I mean, again, like there's something about me that's wired to be like, make it tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Really hard and I would have lasted like one, one week doing that. I think. I don't, I don't know. I think you'd surprise yourself. Are you, so do you want to keep like staying in TV and like comedy and stay in that Avenue? Do yeah. You know? I think right, right now I'm, I'm at this place where I'm like, I love books. I just really love books. So I'm yeah. trying to figure out what that intersection is. So it's all TBD. Um, my boss is very supportive. I told him, I was like, I love books. And he was like, okay, we can figure that out. Like, we'll find out a person that knows books better than like this comedy desk. And I mean, who, but who knows? And again, that's like, I think because I've sort of like, I'm trying to be less like, okay, it has to be this job or bust. Yeah. Which makes it like, infuriating for anything else good that might happen if it's not that one magic thing that is almost impossible to come by so I'm sort of again like for the first time in my life I'm sort of like we'll just see where it goes and it's, <laughs> we'll just see what happens. And it's exciting it's exciting to be like what's next right I mean yeah. I don't know I just I can't wait to see what you do and I understand after Thank talking you. to you why <laughs> Mrs. Hamilton, a.k.a. my big sister, <laughs> loves you and adores you so much. Um, Chloe, you are a light. Um, I'm so grateful to have been able to talk to you. And I love your honesty and your transparency. And I can't <laughs> wait you. to read your book. Um, in closing. Oh, by the way, what's your social media in case my listeners oh, yes. want to follow you? If you want to find me, um, the best place is Instagram, which is at is Chloe, C-H-L-O-E, a writer, all one word, all lowercase, which show I made that far before the book, but the imposter syndrome in the title is, I love built in. I love your Well, thank you, Chloe, for coming on. Um, and in closing, I like to say um, my dad, Peggy's dad as well. You, Mrs. Hamilton, he used to tell us, be happy by making other people happy. And that's part of why I tried to do this podcast is to be happy. It makes me happy to try and make you all happy and have um, an episode every week on Tuesdays. And um, just be nice, be kind, be real, and be happy by making others happy.